0: In my many years of experience, I can tell you now that it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who comes to you saying they need a website or Facebook ads or maybe a mobile app developed, but they don't even realize the deeper challenge or opportunity that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I wanna invite you to apply for a YouGurus strategy call where we'll dig into those underlying issues and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments will shift the way you think forever, and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your strategy call. Go to yougurus.com apply to start your application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com apply to get started. All right, let's introduce today's guest. Hey, what's up, podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. And welcome to another year of the Digital Agency Show. This is our first episode of 2018. We busted out 45 episodes last year. The very first year we ran our podcast, we published 45 episodes of this program, interviewing all sorts of awesome agency owners, uh, consultants, software providers that serve our great market and uh and learned so much learned so much about how to grow your agency how to get more clients better quality clients higher value clients how to run your teams better create award winning cultures Um, all sorts of strategies, tactics, and tools, so many book recommendations. Uh, We had such a great year last year, and we are excited to be doing that again with you guys. So if you guys are a a loyal listener to our program, we want to welcome you back for 2018. Hope the year has kicked off um, just awesome for you. And uh, and, and speaking of that, we actually brought back um, our very first guest that we had on the show, episode number one was Phil Lockwood. And today we're going to be talking to Phil Lockwood. If You guys are a new listener to the Digital Agency Show. Phil is a web marketing executive with over 17 years of entrepreneurial experience in this market. He's founded and or led 11 different businesses in that time couple of them being digital agencies. One of them, Xylem um, ended up becoming a seven seventy person agency before he exited that business. And then he exited and he created an agency of one. So he went from 70 people to one pe- person, and then he's starting to ramp that up. And what I, the reason that I wanted to have Phil back on this program was because over the last year, he has, um, I think, undergone several big mindset shifts for where he wants his entrepreneurial career to go and some of his habits that he's adopting uh, to, to meet those very, very large goals for his business. Now, Phil also, he's got a, an amazing uh, a repertoire of experience in our marketplace. He's worked with you know the NBA, um, he's worked with the NFL teams, global restaurant brands like Chipotle and, and, and all that kind of stuff, and he has, um, I mean, worked on probably in the thousands of projects at this point, doing from everything to, to running, you know, dozen plus person teams to also doing the work, you know, creating the wireframes, doing the designing, doing the development. Um, so he is definitely somebody who's wearing a many hats in this business, and we can all learn a lot from him. So let's welcome Phil Lockwood back to our program.
1: Thanks, Brett. Always a pleasure.
0: So you were um, not our inaugural uh, podcast episode, because I, I did that with Steve to kick off the right. show as episode zero, but you were episode one. Um, and so as we start 2018, I thought it'd be really cool to bring back uh, our very first guest from last year and kind of do an update. And I do know that you've got some, some big shifts for your agency uh, that you've been working on. So I just want to welcome you back to uh, the digital agency show, Phil.
1: Thanks. Great to be here.
0: So you've been in. Uh, you've you've owned a couple of different digital agencies um, from. A uh you know very lean kind of uh, uh web agency focused group that then kind of exploded into like a fifty or sixty plus person agency, and then you took it back to just yourself and then you've been kind of growing uh that agency and in, in 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 one of your your tenets before you rebranded as Creation Chamber was this idea of distill of distilling it down to like the essence getting rid of all of the fat and all that kind of stuff. Um, how has that progression changed over? The last, uh, like, let's say the last year since we last talked to you? To simplify
1: it, I would say that what's really happened is I'm taking it from being a lifestyle agency to really building it into a spectacular agency again. So there's a lot of detail behind that. But at the end of the day, that was the seismic shift that has happened since our last interview a year ago.
0: Now, you use this word lifestyle, and I definitely want to get into the story of where this seismic shift happened. Uh, but when you say the word like lifestyle agency, and now you're going through the seismic shift, what is what, what do you define like a lifestyle agency or lifestyle business? When I started Creation Chamber about 17 years ago now, it was
1: really exciting. I was excited to build it up into the most amazing agency I could build out of it. But what I found is I went from being able to spend my time doing the things I had done as a web pro, which basically spanned everything from development to design to user experience and and so on. To very quickly growing into a role where all I was doing was managing. There was a lot of HR involved, uh, obviously a lot of just business growth, business strategy stuff involved as well. But it happened so quickly that number one, it wasn't really a definite choice on my part to do it. And so it kind of felt like it happened in spite of what I wanted to have happen. But number two, I really kind of lacked the confidence in myself to feel like I was doing a great job of it. And I think that really, um, Hurt my progress, my, my performance overall and, and how that all came about. But after about, I want to say it was maybe year seven or so, uh, you know, when we were at our peak in terms of size and revenue, I just decided we, a big change has to take place here. And as anybody who's listened to any of our interviews in the past knows, I ended up with a number of business partners at the time and we didn't want to be in business with each other anymore. So what ended up happening was I basically stepped away at that point. And I said, I'm going to, I'm going to downsize. I'm going to do something different here. And I don't want to deal with some of these things that I've had to deal with recently that aren't where my passion lies. And I'd say at the top of that list was what I would put in quotes is dealing with employees. Now that has a negative connotation, which is appropriate for at the time. That's how I felt about it. And I really wanted to just be in a position where I had to answer to virtually nobody but myself and my clients, of course. And Could have more freedom in terms of how I worked, when I worked, and where I worked. If you think about it, at the end of the day, and by the way, you've you've interviewed uh, Joe Meese in the past, and uh, he and I were great friends at the time, and I kind of got this from him. It was a matter of me saying, "I'm going to take a play from the the Meese playbook here and really just concentrate on." making a really good income working from home. And that's largely what it was. Now, I I certainly kept the agency brand up during that period of time. So it wasn't as if I was marketing myself as a freelancer. I certainly wasn't. And it wasn't as if I didn't have other people working for me. I did. But it was contractors all around the world who were very part-time, very self-managed. So it really was a lot of freedom. And to me, that felt like a lifestyle business. I was not trying to grow something. I certainly wasn't generating any equity because the business was me. So it was all just about how much I could make by working as little as possible. It was a nice break. It was something I needed at the time after seven plus years, whatever it was, of relatively high stress, very high speed growth, and kind of having to deal with issue after issue that just relates to that kind of growth.
0: I like that the generating income versus equity as uh maybe i mean you know I think there's a lot of different ways you could define a lifestyle business, but um, that definitely uh stands out to me as something that you're you're trying to just you focus on that income and also uh doing it from home, maybe not having to deal with the employee side of the equation um so so you you kind of made that shift. Uh, But I think going back to something that you said earlier, that you were doing the creative, you were having fun, uh, and then you kind of woke up one day as a manager. And I think a lot of people right now that own digital agencies might kind of feel the same way. They got into this business because they loved to create stuff. And then that slowly gets like whittled away, like all the business coaches and all them the, the the you know the programs out there are like, oh, focus on your sales and your marketing, focus on the business, not in the business. but I think for a lot of people that are, are in this business, maybe they enjoyed that creative side at least a little bit, and then they kind of wake up one day and either they uh, didn't realize that that was going to happen or they don't have the tools. Um, to actually do that job well or the mindset um, do you feel like you are now getting back into the mindset of wanting to work on the business and kind of focus on those skills versus doing the creative and doing the development work all yourself
1: I totally am and I think there are many reasons that probably contribute to that and number one I'm what 17 years older than when I started creation chamber I think that that uh, let's call it maturity in a certain, sense of the word, probably plays a pretty big role in there. Um, Over the years, probably finding people who are much better at all of those individual things than I am um, is a big factor. Wanting to be able to grow the quality of the agency by leveraging that additional talent is exciting. But I also think that part of it was the ability to start over. And if you just grow along with your company from the very beginning and you really enjoy that growth and you enjoy the evolution in your responsibilities, um, you know, your role and responsibilities to the company, then you might have much better luck than what I had. But for me, it was, I was an artist. I, I had been an artist my entire life. I enjoyed the creating part. Of what we did as web pros. And I think at some point along the way, I just realized that growing the business is in and of itself an art as well. And one where um, currently I hold more passion than, you know, being in Photoshop or neck deep in code or something all day long. Those things are still very cool. But for me at this point, I just like the idea of building a business more than building websites.
0: So like, you know, you, you, you focused on this lifestyle business and you, um, uh, based on other presentations you gave to uh, our community, that was, uh, I think you were very successful at that. You, um, generated a very profitable, probably high income business where you were working from home and, uh, had very little, you know, uh, employees like the, the dealing with employees maybe went away, but, uh, so it sounds like last year, sometime since we last spoke, uh, you underwent some kind of shift. Um, can you tell me a little bit about that? Did that happen over time? Or was that a specific moment where you said, okay, I'm, I'm done with that. I'm, I'm ready to get out there and and change, uh, my vision for this business.
1: Well, I think it was probably always there. I knew that I needed a break. I needed a reset and that was critical. Um, but probably really early on, um, I still had to accept the fact that deep down I'm a very ambitious person and working from home, making a certain amount of money, doing the least amount of work possible was only going to work for me for a fixed period of time. Um, and yeah, the money was good. In fact, I made more money doing that than I ever did having 65, 70 employees as an agency. But at the same time, I know you're into like Mr. Money Mustache, you know, some of these other um, fantastic paradigms that, that, I really envy, um, but my lifestyle is not quite like that. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, this is certainly no excuse, but it just as a, a qualifier. So I have a, a wife and uh, three kids, and we have a relatively expensive lifestyle. Uh, you know, we like to do a lot of vacations, and they're not inexpensive vacations. Obviously, there are a lot of costs associated with kids, as you already know, and there are a lot of. Big exciting plans that we have for our future in terms of retirement and everything. And I don't want that retirement to be too far off. So I had to look at this and say, look, to get to the point where I want to be, to be able to do the things that I want to do and have the experiences I want to have, AKA own the super yachts that I want to own, uh, something was going to have to change, right? So uh, I knew that I was going to have to move on from this lifestyle business where I'm essentially limited in terms of income by the amount of time that I'm going to put into something, um, and I'm going to have to build some sort of a real sales engine, a revenue engine. And for me, the low-hanging fruit, even though you could go out there and do you know, the information product and or, you know, be the Tim Ferriss or whatever and build your own personal brand and then make millions, for me, the low-hanging fruit that sounded particularly exciting was to reinvent Creation Chamber. So that was really the impetus. It was You've taken a few years off now. It's time to get off your butt and do something again. And uh, I actually, it was not an overnight thing for the most part, although there were uh, there were a few stages. But I would say this happened maybe two years ago is when the first inklings of this began to get into motion. And that was when I hired Carol and was able to kind of split the workload with her so that I could focus on some other things. Unfortunately, I found that what I've probably focused on more was just taking my foot off the gas a little bit, you know, instead of having to get up at 4am and immediately sit down to work, it was being able to get up and get a workout in and have a more reasonable schedule. So it wasn't really until 2017 that things took off. And it was, uh, one year ago. So I don't know exactly how that coincides with our last call. But um, that was when I decided to start experimenting. So I hired a digital marketer and brought on another business partner who was a digital marketer. So the idea there was, let's start to grow this slowly. And some of these things worked out, some of them did not. But it was really a seismic shift in, I want to say, June. Of last year, uh, that was when I had this really big epiphany, this really big aha that said, "All right, here's what I want to do. Here's the time frame in which I want to do it, and here's how it's going to happen."
0: So, June of last year, you just sit down and define those those things. You just sit down and say, "Okay, this is exactly what I want to have happen." So, what what were some of those things that you are now trying to accomplish?
1: Well, they, when I made my list, uh, and by the way, this was, this was on a flight back from a wedding that my wife and I went to, uh, down in South Carolina. It was a, an amazing wedding. And there were a lot of really neat people there. Uh, a lot of very successful people there. The father of the bride was a particularly neat guy. And he was, um, I, I want to say he's in the oil business and has homes in Houston and Santa Monica and Kiowa Island and so on. But, um, really enjoyed talking to him and just kind of being able to connect with somebody with that level of success was kind of motivating. And I think that was the kick in the pants that I needed to say, all right, what are you going to do with your agency? What are you going to do with your life? So on the flight back, I sat down, opened up my iPad and just started writing down everything across the business and my personal life that needed to change. It's, it was kind of a self-image kind of thing, you know, to say, look, here's who I think I am supposed to be. Here's what I should be doing. And it focused on things like how I live, what my business looks like, what my personal income looks like, where I'm going, what how I raise my kids, these sorts of things. And it was the entire flight back. And it really served as the starting point for a document that I call my story. This is in my Evernote. Um, A lot of listeners probably know I'm a Tony Robbins fan. And one of Tony's things is there are three things that you can do to kind of control or modify the level of success and performance that you have. And they are story, state, and strategy, right? So story is basically the story that you tell yourself. I think to a large degree, it is your self-image. So this started off as essentially one page. Of things that I wrote on the plane. And every day, twice a day, every morning and every evening, I would review this and invariably add to it. And at this point, it's I mean, it's probably a short book. I still try to read this at least once a day now, um, but even reading it solid, it usually takes me about 45 minutes. So it's it's pretty substantial at this point. And it's turned into a combination of quotes that I find inspiring, things that I've noticed about myself uh, that need to be improved. Self-image things, uh, who I really think I am at a deeper level and reminding myself of those things. It's kind of a hodgepodge and I certainly could turn it into a book and might, it might at some point, but to, to a degree, I think it kind of comes down to the philosophies taught in the book, Think and Grow Rich. Uh, you know, be basically writing down what it is you want and then reviewing that twice a day. I think that's immensely powerful and it's played a, a really big part here but when it comes to creation chamber back to your original question you know just in terms of specifics it can' it's basically i'm not gonna lie at this point there's still a very large revenue focus on it although that's temporary um i know that i want this company to be worth about a 100 million dollars by the end of 2022. So that means we're going to have somewhere in the neighborhood of double to triple, in some cases, maybe quadruple growth year over year, um, with that starting off pretty heavy and then pacing down over, over the coming years. But we're already on track. And I really credit a lot of that to just having these specifics that are written down. And the specifics will vary, you know, everybody's going to have their own in terms of what's important to them. But I think what really happens is by reminding yourself of what they are every day, it just gets you into the habit of further developing the concepts and the objectives that are required for you to get there over time. So it's been it's been essential in terms of just what we've achieved over the past 6 months. We basically went from me working out of my house again, uh, you know, cause I've gone back and forth with little office space and working out of the house over the past six, seven years, whatever it's been. Um, but to the point now where we're about to sign a letter of intent on a 7,200 square foot warehouse that we're building out as I think the coolest office I've ever seen in my life. And we've already got about a dozen people working for us right now. And that team is, is building, um, like I said, our revenue has more than doubled just in the past six months alone. But the, the biggest piece is that the cultural shift is super exciting to me. We basically have new people coming on board who are really taking our offerings and our outcomes so far beyond where we were six months ago, that's exciting. But we're being able to pull ideas and concepts and all of these other cultural components from so many different places right now. And anybody who's taken any kind of a one-man shop, one-person shop, and built it into something bigger, and I know a lot of your listeners have done that, understands exactly how exciting that is. And being able to do it, to reinvent now, after 17 years, essentially, I think is hugely
0: Wow. I love that this has come from uh you know just this idea of visualizing what you want out of your business and your life and writing that down and then that becomes uh, a reality within it sent I me in some I mean a, a very short period of time. I mean obviously you have the experience, you have some network, you have you know the uh you know the the case studies, the proof points, you have a huge history in this in this business. I think you have the uh, skill set to do that. You just were lacking that, um, you know, that that intention or that vision to to take your business that direction. And once you set that, it happened extremely quickly. So you mentioned the, um, not to, to have us completely download Tony Robbins content, but you mentioned the story aspect and then there's also this state and the strategy piece. Um, can you touch on that just for our listeners that aren't uh, totally up on Tony Robbins content?
1: You know, I think that the best way to describe the state piece, by the way, is to just tell a real quick story about when I went to his business mastery seminar. Um, I'm pretty comfortable just sitting down at a desk and working all day. And I think that that the performance that comes from that is just fine because you can be very productive that way. But when we were out at his seminar and these things go from like 830 in the morning to sometimes one o'clock in the morning, day after day after day. It's just kind of nuts. But he's really good at keeping people pumped. And it's not just in the way that he speaks, you know, presents himself, but every 20 minutes or so, you're on your feet. And it's not something that people like me, uh, who would usually be classified as like introverted, are particularly comfortable with, but I really latched onto it. I mean. It's like every 20 minutes, all of a sudden, it turns into a rave, right? So there's <laughs> that loud music, the, the main lights go down, and it's just like uh, rave lights, laser lights all over the place, and everyone's just kind of jumping. And I just remember being in the middle of that and thinking, man, it, whenever we have an office with a bunch of employees in it again, I want to have music. High energy music playing constantly because the amount of stuff we will get done and the amount of fun that we'll have doing it will be 10x what it would be otherwise. And it's funny. It's, uh, it reminds me of when you go to Las Vegas and no matter what clothing you buy, it seems like a great idea, you know, these crazy outfits. And then you get back home and you're like, what was I thinking? I can't this. <laughs> You this. Know, so then you get back into the real world away from Tony Robbins land. And then it's like, uh, I mean, I don't have music. Music playing all the time. And when I do, it's relatively quiet. And here I am sitting at my desk just being productive. right? But I always remember that. I will never forget how powerful I really think that is in terms... You know, how powerful state is in terms of getting things done, um, generating results, and having a fantastic time doing it. So we absolutely will have loud music in this new warehouse that we're building out because I think it's key. But uh, if... You should try to Google. I've never actually tried this. I've heard the story of how Tony prepares himself for every single seminar and has for decades now, uh, What his, the little practice that he goes through beforehand, just before going out on stage. So you should try Googling it, maybe even YouTube it, seeing if they, they show it. But he's got some crazy thing where he stands in front of a mirror and yells at himself and bangs his chest like a gorilla and just gets himself super psyched up to go out there and make a difference for thousands of people. So, you know, cultish or whatever, yes, but also very effective. And I'm not suggesting that I do that or that anybody else should really kind of go to that degree. But again, state is just all about making sure that you're always in a positive state that's going to be conducive to producing results.
0: Well, I know he has the, I mean, even in the, the movie, uh, I'm Not Your Guru, he does like the plunge pool in his backyard. He has like this little like three foot by three foot pool that's kept at like 40 degrees and he you know that's how he starts his day is is changing his state into this like you know and I, mean, I imagine you know it's hard to even make that a routine of like looking at a 40 degree body of water and being like okay i'm gonna jump in there for like five minutes right i mean that's that's always going to be cold and requires some level of fear you know to just do that at the, the small level so i know that's so so that i think is um if you are in a, in a funk maybe, you know, thinking about your environment or getting up or listening to loud music or, you know, whatever that is to get you out of that funk um, and into your, your best state, That's a I like that.
1: Yeah, that one's fantastic. And then strategy, of course, the third of that triad is just what is your plan? for how you're going to achieve what you want to achieve. And as I think virtually anybody who's read any book knows, step one of that is just writing down what you want to have happen. What are your goals? And if you review those every day, ideally twice a day, everything else is going to fill itself in. And in fact, that's in the book Think and Grow Rich. uh, When he, Napoleon Hill, the author, gives an example of what you could write down as your, your daily incantation, so to speak he actually has the example in there of, I am a wait, I'm a, I'm awaiting a plan by which to accumulate this money and I will follow that plan when it is received or something like that. And I think what that really means is if you just start with the basics, everything else is going to come to fruition just by the imagination, the the stimulation that you get by reviewing what those goals are to begin with. So I think a lot of people think, Documenting your goals, as we're told to do time and time again, is difficult and time consuming, and it's not. You sit down, take 20 minutes, and that's the start. Uh, I always kind of come back to the concept of Facebook. Like, what if you wanted to build Facebook? How difficult would that be? It would be massively difficult unless you started the way Facebook did and built a very simple proof of concept initially and then just built onto that one step at a time. It's exactly the same with strategy, you know, the same with goals.
0: In, in that, you know, so the I, what I heard from you, there was really two parts. One is writing down your plan, so making sure that you do document that so it's not just always changing in your head. But then the second part of that is to review that plan um, almost, you know, at the obsessive twice a day. You're looking at that and thinking through that because that's going to be, you know, instead of coming up with, you know, new different plans, maybe new ideas about how you're going to get your plan to that that point, right, I mean, so so creating the plan is one step, but also reviewing it consistently because we I think I've done this a lot where you know come up with ten goals for the year or whatever, and then you put them in a drawer, and then three hundred and sixty five days later you open it up and you're like, huh, I forgot about six through <laughs> seven. I kind of did too, right and and so I think that regular reviewing to keep your you know your brain munching on those those tasks or those ideas because maybe they are they seem impossible at first, but if you're constantly working on those problems kind of one block at a time, then it can it can happen very quickly.
1: Yeah. And you really hit the nail on the head with the practice, the habit that almost everybody has of documenting things, but not seeing them. And this is another one of those concepts that just... Baffles me. It's like the difference between digital and analog, and how how cool and in some ways efficient digital is, but how inefficient it can be in other ways. If you want to take a quick note, what's easier: writing something on a post-it note, or pulling up a document or notes on your computer, even post-it notes, um, the 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 stickies functionality, say on a on Mac OS, uh, or even putting something in your iPad or your iPhone. I mean, there are thousands of note-taking apps. For mobile devices and not one of them even comes close to being as efficient and convenient as a post it note and a pen. And the idea of documenting what your goals are and then being able to easily see them day after day, ideally twice a day is amazingly difficult. And you know, if you create it as a Google Doc or an Evernote, then you have to open Google Docs or you have to open Evernote just to see them. And I think. This was probably not so difficult back in the analog days when gentlemen, you know, businessmen would, and, you know, business ladies to a lesser degree back then, unfortunately, but uh, would walk around with a journal, for example, and always jot down their thoughts. in there was always the same book that was in the palm of their hand. And just by flipping the cover open, you had access to everything, all of your notes, all of your goals. But these days, we've just got everything stuck in a million different places. It's it's so challenging. Um, I've actually got... A, uh, an iPad that I carry with me pretty much everywhere now. I call it the football, my football. Uh, you know the, how the president yeah. always <laughs> travels with that bag. You can launch the uh, nuclear weapons from anywhere in the world. That's what I have. I carry this thing with me everywhere, so that no matter where I am, I can take notes. I have full access to everything, company-wide. All of our documents, all of our emails, all of our websites, and everything. And it's just—it's become a, an extension of my body, essentially. So I have this thing, and in the morning, when I'm downstairs in my home gym, I have it open, and in between reps, I'm going through my story, reading that. When I'm on the elliptical, I literally just pop it off the keyboard, and it sits right there on my elliptical perfectly uh if i'm at restaurants i have it with me when i'm in bed at night i'm typing in my journal and it's it's the only way that i've come across so far that really works for me in terms of having one place one thing that i can rely on as the truth for all of these goals all of these documents and i think that's what's made all the difference over the past six months writing those down and literally i have stuck to the plan of reading that stuff for the past six months
0: Wow. So when I want to talk about that a little bit, because I feel like with the kickoff of 2018, I mean, everybody, uh, my email box is full of 50 different ways that I can deal my 2018 planning and goal setting and webinars and workshops and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's, it's good for us to at least talk about that um, uh, just a little bit. So is the story that you're writing, is this like 100% my future self? Or are you, um, are you writing out like the best of what you're doing right now so that you do more of that? Um, or is it just purely like future pacing? This is how your story unfolds over the next, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20 years? Or is it, you know, give, give me some details on that. Well, first of all, it's an evolving document.
1: And in fact, at this point, it's like three different Notes within Evernote. It used to be a single one. And then I split these off into different things, partly because it was becoming too difficult to read twice a day. It was Mm. too long to read twice a day. So now I have one sheet that's called Daily. And this is where I read through. I absolutely positively want to read through my goals, my very specific goals twice a day. So that's in there. That's, I mean, this is essentially one page of very big text. So it's very easy to get through twice a day. I have a separate one, which is Self Image. And this was just a spin off because I found that story, which was my biggest document, was really focused on a lot of things like weaknesses that I found in my performance and my character and my habits or things that I found inspirational, um, aspirational. And at the end of the day, I kind of came up with this thing. And, you know, this is me figuring things out that a lot of people already know on their own, but it related to self image and Uh, let me see if I can find this one real quick. It basically is, I can sit here and identify my weaknesses and my bad habits and try to talk myself out of them every day through brute force, which so many of us try to do, or I can simply change my self-image and then the habits take care of themselves, right? And I think that's just a direction that a lot of us don't go down. But if you really think of yourself in a certain way that's how you're always going to perform and uh, probably among a thousand other people tony robbins happens to kind of mention this he's like whatever you truly believe or th- however you think about yourself deep down you you are unable to act consistently in any way that is incongruent with that and you can try it through brute force and it will work for some period of time but as soon as you find that one day where you're a little down you're a little tired it's going to break down if that means look, I'm a fat person and I don't want to be fat anymore. You can try to diet day after day after day, but at some point you're going to have a rough day and you're going to go off that diet and it's because you think of yourself as an overweight person. As soon as you decide this is who I am and it's incongruent with some of these bad habits, then those things just take care of themselves. So that's where I came up with a self-image piece. Again, that one's probably about a two-page document right now and it's just where I say, here is who I am going to think of myself as. And then I don't even have to read through the entire story anymore and think about all these little things along the way that I'm doing wrong on a daily basis because I believe a lot of them will take care of themselves. And it's been absolutely true. I mean, I've had tremendous success with that.
0: Hmm. That's fascinating. Just defining your, your image versus versus the habits you want to do or versus the habits you don't want to do. Because I, I do think that that's, Um, it's really easy for us to identify the things we don't like about ourselves. It's just like, you know, that negative uh, narrative in our heads is, um, is a lot uh, it just comes faster and easier I mean I know for myself it's it's very much easier to list my weaknesses or the things I don't like that I do versus thinking about the things that I do uh, enjoy that I I like um so focusing more on that image C- can you get I me mean, so the obviously the overweight person but any examples from your um self image uh that you're willing to share with our audience
1: Yeah uh absolutely so one of the things that I have in here, and I actually have the Evernote up in front of me, so I'm referring to this quite a bit, but uh, I, as a child, had a whole lot of fun. I'm, my my childhood was like, uh, like the movie Goonies, full of adventure, right? <laughs> and... All I ever did as a kid was have all these crazy projects. And, uh, I was, you know, I loved building like rockets as a kid. And I got pretty crazy with some of these high powered rockets and would stay after school with my physics teacher and was trying to build a guidance system and some explosives into one of them. <laughs> Stuff that would certainly get you thrown in jail or at least kicked out of school today. Um, but then what I have in my self image here is it, at some point along the way, I transitioned from really embracing all of these fun, cool, pure things into latching on to ego and fanciness. You know, one day I kind of woke up and I was concerned about my Rolex and my, and my Porsche. And I don't throw these out to show off. I'm actually, I'm not proud of those. I'm ashamed of that, that period, you know, but I had become fancy and that wasn't fun. Now, it's not to say that you can't have nice things because a lot of the stuff that's in my self-image here still requires a lot of money. It's still materialistic in a way, but you know, you can think of it this way. I, I constantly consider how I would be different if there was an apocalypse and I was the only person left on the face of the earth. Would I care about wearing a Rolex? No. Would I care about driving a Lamborghini? Yeah, because that's still fun. Right? <laughs> That's that's pure fun. It, there's there's real value there. So yeah, my self-image, a lot of these things kind of bring me back to that and say, look, get back in touch with your inner child and remember the things that were so pure and exciting as a kid because they haven't changed. And, and there are a lot of people, grown-ups like this today, who still live their lives this way. Um, you know, a lot of times it's your inventors, Elon Musk, I think, Dean Kamen. Um even fictional movie characters, I see a lot of this, where they're very into Star Wars things or just you know cool activities. And you can be a billionaire and still have those types of interests. What I want to stay away from is the fanciness because that it all comes from ego, and I feel like that has been a pretty big contributor to a lot of my failures as a person, as a manager, a leader, a business owner and so on.
0: That's fantastic. I think that's like a headline. If if there was apocalypse, I I, I wouldn't wear a Rolex, but I'd still drive a Lamborghini. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's the title of your book, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got your your daily, you've got, which is about one page, and you're reviewing that twice a day. You've got this self image, which is a couple of pages, and is is including some things about like, you know, um, Uh, you know this idea of like maybe not fancy but fun Um, childhood like you know making sure to like kind of connect the dots back to what you enjoyed then when maybe uh, ego wasn't uh, uh, as big of a a player in our lives. And I think we can all get value out of that. And then then you've got this story, which is a much, what I've kind of understood from you over the course of this interview is the story component is longer and lengthier. Can you touch on what is in that? You're not reviewing that as uh, on a regular basis, not twice a day, certainly, but is that just kind of more like stream of consciousness about what Um, you want to accomplish in your life, like in a longer term?
1: It's not so much a roadmap as just thoughts, you know? So um, I think there are some recurring themes in the story, some that relate, a lot that relate to procrastination, which is probably my biggest and worst habit um, throughout my entire life, actually. And a lot of people may not notice it uh, because I think uh, I've read procrastination is just, human nature. Um, We're inherently lazy. But it's definitely what I consider the single biggest hindrance to my success over the years. I believe that 99.9% of my failures and shortcomings as a business person all come back to procrastination. And that can be at a macro level, at a micro level, the smallest things that a lot of us probably don't even think of as procrastinating, truly are procrastinating. And then it can just be the big obvious ones. Like, I've got to work on this project, but I'm going to put it off for a little while and do this other thing instead. So there are just kind of key insights. And they're mostly into my psyche, so I don't know that these would resonate with everybody. But um, things that just kind of remind me of how I feel about these particular things um, let me see if I've got that one right here. If it's a one-hour task and I complete it immediately, it dominated one hour of my attention. If I procrastinate for just a day, it's already a distraction for 24 hours. Now, obviously, it doesn't mean that that task ends up taking me 24 hours. But as you know, just the, the mental component, that having that thing in your, your mental backpack for an entire day, knowing that you're supposed to do it, takes an enormous toll on productivity and mental health. And then I just remind myself, if I typically have half a dozen to a dozen tasks that are on my my list, multiply all of those by that 24 hours and then by the number of days. Cause sometimes these things could roll on for weeks. You know, I should have done this three weeks ago and I didn't. I mean, the orders of magnitude difference between how much mind share that task would have taken or those tasks would have taken versus what they actually end up taking is massive. And I think it I know that I'm not alone just in terms of how much we limit our own success by not doing things as quickly as possible. So that one's in here a lot. Um, You know, Peter Thiel, uh, the the PayPal co-founder and famous venture capitalist, as you know, uh, is kind of famous for saying, figure out what you would like to do within the next 10 years and then ask yourself, why can't you do it in six months? That really resonates with me so true across so many things that we do in business. And uh, I know that you're also a big EOS proponent. And I think EOS is really cool. I also recently read a book called The 12-Week Year. Have you read that one yet?
0: Uh, I have not. It's uh, I have it. I have not yet read it. Okay.
1: Very similar in concept. And you know, just like EOS, which pulls from all of these um, existing concepts, 12-Week Year, I would say, pretty clearly pulls a lot from EOS. But what they do is say, instead of being locked into this very common fiscal year paradigm that's just this universal language in business, why not say that a year is only the length of a quarter? So everything is just concatenated, and it makes an enormous difference in the amount of things you can get done. It changes the whole dynamic of how your entire team might think of getting things done, where the, the common practice when you're talking about a true fiscal year, 12-month fiscal year, is to say, all right, well, these are my goals for the year, and this is month one, so I can certainly ease into it and months 1, 2 and 3 roll by and you're like that's okay that I haven't made enough progress on these cuz I still have plenty of time and we just use this as a crutch, you know, this this way of saying we've got plenty of time to get these things done so I'm not going to hustle. And the 12 week year being able to pull some concepts from there I think is really cool because it it just forces you to hustle. So that's a big one. Productivity is in here um but uh, in my story, I also remind myself that it's, it's what you work on after finishing your tasks that drives your real success in life. If you've never made it beyond your tasks, which so many people never do, you've never really made any progress at all. Meaning tasks are really things that should be delegated. Mm. It's the stuff you no longer have stuff that you have to do. That's when you're able to work on the things that are really important right? When you can just sit down and brainstorm and, and come up with the new ideas, but tasks by and large are things that we're doing for other people. So we're just going through the busy work.
0: Hmm. I almost feel like this story component is, is, um, I mean, based on what I've just heard from you is kind of writing down, um, you know, kind of your your best thoughts and then developing them, which I mean, is very similar to probably the process one would go through in writing a book. But, um, you know, your motivation here is not necessarily like, oh, I want to be a published author and whatever, you know, like this is like a very um, self-enriching process where you're writing down your best thoughts and you're working on them for the benefit of you and for the benefit of your productivity and your progress and, I mean, even just some of that stuff that you've talked about. I mean, the the mental load thing and carrying these kind of, uh, you know, to-dos for way too longer. I mean, I just had a, a quote-unquote break, a holiday break, and there were some things that um, I really wanted to get done before I went on break. And I didn't. Right. So I carried them with me. Uh, you know, like yes. they were in the room while I was, uh, you know, quote unquote, on vacation. And I probably could have just said, you know what, I'm going to work one extra day and I'm going to knock this stuff out. And I probably would have felt better instead of carrying this mental load around with me everywhere I went and, um, you know, probably did affect my ability to unplug from from the business a little bit and I think that happens um, all the time you know and so I think that one thought that you've written in your story I mean if that becomes something that's reinforced for you at some regular interval over the course of the year and it's your own thought it's not some other book or whatever some other person telling you what you should and shouldn't do um, it's something that's come from you I mean I imagine that's something that will um change your, I mean, probably shows up in your self-image, probably shows up in your your daily. Um, and that's that sounds incredibly powerful.
1: Yeah, it really is. And it really is just an extension of that whole concept of writing down your goals and then reviewing them if you actually want to see them happen. It's a matter of having so many things bombarding our brains every day. We can't possibly remember all of it. And if we don't write down our goals and review them on a daily basis, then they just become part of the background static. So if we write down all of these other things that we should be remembering on a daily basis, but just don't have the brain capacity to do it, then you're just that much more likely to avoid making the same mistakes, at least in my case, avoid making the same mistakes, and just to remember the other things that do motivate you, that do push you in the right direction. Um, Another common phrase or concept relates to what kind of information we put into our brains, you can either feed it, the healthy stuff, the healthy thoughts that are going to develop you as a person, develop your character, or you can just sit back and ingest whatever things are being put in front of you, you know, whether that's from the media or the people that you hang out with or whatever. And I think that Dedicating some period of time, in my case, you know, at least a half an hour a day, to putting the right reminders, the right concepts, the right motivators into your mind makes a big difference in terms of how you perform day after day.
0: It's incredible. This has been a fantastic episode to kick off the new year with. Um, I know we did a lightning round a year ago. I'm kind of curious to go back and compare uh, if these answers have changed since then. Um, but we can go ahead and cruise through them uh, and get kind of an updated lightning round on you. But this has been uh, this has been a fantastic show, Phil. What is the best advice you've ever received?
1: I know you're going to ask this one. I don't know if it can be a, a lightning round. Uh, there's so much, and obviously putting together my story, it's just full of advice like that. Um, this one's going to sound particularly obvious, which is a little unfortunate, but it really is um, powerful, as you know. And everyone is saying, you got to work on the business, uh, not in the business, uh, at least if you want to have a particular kind of business and a particular kind of lifestyle. Thinking that way, I think has been immensely powerful. It's just a, it's a mindset shift. But um a little disappointed that these kind of come down to the business side versus the personal side, because I know it's not just a business focused question coming from you. But the other one that's right there as a tie, I think, is uh, it kind of came from Brennan Brouchard and how he starts his day not by reading through emails and reacting to the needs of others, but by identifying the things that he needs to do in any given day to move the needle farthest toward his goals. And it's something that very few people do. And even after thinking about it month after month, it's something that I still find very challenging. But I also know it is the one thing that will 1000x the difference in success in my life. So I really kind of focus on that one.
0: Awesome. Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success?
1: So I think last time this was attention to detail, I think that really pales in comparison to some of the new habits that I've picked up here over the past six months just by writing things down and reminding myself. Again, I would remind you that um, my belief is that procrastination is the one habit that has killed 99.9% of my success. So on the flip side of that, in terms of the positive, what has contributed most, I would say it's just recognizing my weaknesses and focusing on... Eliminating those through a different self-image on a daily basis.
0: And can you share an internet resource, a tool that you use that our listeners would find valuable?
1: I'm not sure how you take anything, any kind of a tool, and improve upon the book, right? Uh, I think that, especially over the past year, I have gotten 100 times more from various books than from anything else. And of course, the convergence of all this media has kind of changed the definition of an online tool or resource essentially. So um I think that I would just come back to uh, some ebooks. And if you haven't read Think and Grow Rich, very important. I may have mentioned that one last time. Um, it is not just for people who want to make a lot of money. So if you think, look, Money, revenue, profits, these aren't the thing that I focus on. That's okay because it's about more than just dollars. It's about a rich life. It's about getting what you want. And I think it's a catalyst for so many other things, practices that involve online tools and so on.
0: My next question was going to be, what book would you recommend? But I think that, so we've got the tool is the book. And uh, the book is They can Grow Rich, If uh, unless you have any others. I mean, we mentioned several other books uh, in, this, in this episode. So you guys can check out the show notes for a complete list of those links to Amazon and whatnot. Um, this has been a, a fantastic kickoff show for this year, Phil. Uh, how can our audience find out more about you and uh, anything that you have to check out?
1: You know, go ahead and follow us on Creation Chamber. Uh, We're not doing a whole lot. On social media right now, I feel like I said this a year ago too, <laughs> but that's gonna change. I feel like I said that a year ago, uh, but you know, now with the additional manpower internally and just a lot of cool, exciting things going on, I'm confident that's actually gonna happen. So, yeah, feel free to connect with. Uh, I think the best way is to connect with Creation Chamber across Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and then just sit tight as we start to put information out there. And then would love to have uh, engagement from everybody uh, after last year and some of the other events that you and I have done together. I've gotten a lot of inquiries from the community and really appreciate those and hearing what people are up to. And it's a two-way street. I learn just as much from everybody who reaches out to me with things that are going on with their agencies as I, I hope I'm able to put out there through some of the information that we share.
0: Awesome. This has been a fantastic episode. Phil, thank you so much for stopping by the Digital Agency Show today. Thanks, Brent. All right, guys, that's our program for this week. Stay tuned for next week's episode on The Digital Agency Show. Until then, I'm Brent Weaver. Thanks again for tuning in to The Digital Agency Show. Before we close out, I wanted to check in on your answer to my question from the beginning of the episode. Are you stressed out, cash crunched, fed up with your business? Now, if you feel this way, you might think that you have a lead generation problem. Maybe that it's the area you live in or that this market has gotten too competitive. Maybe you think that your business can't be turned around, and I want you to think again. In my many years of experience, I can tell you now it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who says they need a website, Facebook ads, or a mobile app when they don't even realize it's a deeper challenge that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I want to invite you to apply for a strategy call, where we're going to dig into those underlying issues in your business and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments that you're going to have will shift the way you think forever and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your YouGurus strategy call today. Go to yougurus.com apply to start the application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. Thanks again for tuning in. Join us next week for another episode of the Digital Agency Show.